This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and it's time for the New Hampshire News Recap. Let's get into this week's top headlines. The Omicron variant of COVID-19 dominated the news this week. What do we know, and what is New Hampshire doing to prepare? Meanwhile, COVID cases and hospitalizations are at an all-time high in the state, and hospitals continue to be short-staffed and overwhelmed. Joining us now to talk about that and more are NHPR reporters Ali Pham and Todd Bookman. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. The new variant was detected in the U.S. this week as it continues to spread in other countries. Ali, what do we know about the new variant right now? Yeah, I mean, I think we know it's coming to New Hampshire if it's not here already. I mean, it's been detected in a few other states in the U.S. already. But, I mean, there are still a lot of unknowns. The high amount of mutations with this variant have scientists definitely very concerned that it could be more transmissible or be less susceptible to vaccines. But, you know, exactly what that looks like, we're still gathering the evidence right. there. Yeah. I mean, there's some preliminary evidence that maybe uh, it, it's, you know, like Delta, much more contagious, mm-hmm. but maybe much more mild, at least in people who are vaccinated. Yeah. So I so, guess it's a little bit of a wait and see right. game at we this We may point. not know exactly for a few weeks. Yeah. I, I know that this variant comes as, as we're seeing the largest surge in COVID cases and hospitalizations here in New Hampshire right now. Um, what are what are they doing? And what are hospitals and long-term care facilities doing now that they're, they're stretched so thin to be begin with. Right. So, I mean, in terms of the Omicron variant, the state isn't, you know, announcing any new policies. We saw New York announce a state of emergency. That's not happening here in New Hampshire. Um, But, you know, that said, as you pointed out, we're in the midst of the worst surge we have seen. So, and I think Todd will touch on this. Hospitals are preparing. Long-term care facilities are, you know, continuing to try to hire. But, you know, it's, it's pretty week right now. Um, we are seeing the state really trying to push that message of, you know, continuing get vaccinated if you're not vaccinated, but also really doubling down on boosters for mm. for people who are fully vaccinated to get that, you know, extra layer of, of protection. Right. The state planning this booster blitz next weekend. And, uh, you know, of course, they're, they're trying to deal with staffing shortages. Todd, can you tell us more about that? What about those staffing shortages? Sure. So so last week, the governor issued an executive order that, that's kind of aimed at easing this this crunch at New Hampshire hospitals. And then this week, we got more details of, of what that will look like in practice. And it's kind of a this combination of things, all of them interconnected. So one of the issues that hospitals have been frustrated by recently is that they frequently have these patients who are ready to be discharged, whether they had COVID or, or were in for another acute condition. But there are no beds available for these patients to be discharged to at a facility like a nursing home or a skilled rehab facility. So these patients are sitting and they're waiting and they are taking up a valuable hospital bed. And then you also occasionally have patients who are in hospitals who can't get transferred to nursing homes because their Medicaid applications haven't been fully processed yet. And so it creates this bottleneck situation. And and what the state wants to do is pay for these people to get transferred out of hospitals and provide nursing homes with the extra staff they need so that they can accept these patients and also provide them with the sort of financial cushion to do so. And then there's this other piece of the plan, uh, these, these so-called strike teams. These are essentially contract or traveling nurses from out of state who will come in and they will staff 
uh, units within nursing homes, again, to make more space for patients who are at hospitals so that they can be discharged. It's, it's kind of this chess, chessboard situation. So the strategy here, try to, to hire traveling nurses from other states, but don't most hospitals already work with, with travel nurses? How, how is this different? Sure, sure. You know, traveling medical personnel from from doctors to nurses to techs um, that that is nothing that is nothing new. Uh, but here you will have a situation where the the federal government is essentially paying for it. Uh, the, the plan is for the state to use federal. Uh, this was ARPA funding the American Rescue Plan money uh, to sign contracts with a handful of private uh, nursing staffing firms from across the country. These workers are not cheap. Uh, the staffing firms charge uh, between $200 and $300 per hour per employee, but the need is great. And these folks will be coming uh, from out of state. You know, the, the resources here in New Hampshire are just basically uh, tapped too thin at this point. There are no more available healthcare professionals out there, or, or at least there aren't any at the moment who are coming forward. And so, uh, uh, we're going to attempt to pull these people from from all across the country. Well, is there indications, Todd, that we can? I mean, other states are dealing with their own their own issues too. Well, uh, Commissioner Lori Shibnett has said that they've already begun negotiations with these private staffing firms. The idea is that they're going to need to actually contract with a, a a large number of of private staffing firms because these firms may be able only to provide sort of one or two so called strike teams. Each uh, the hope I believe is to have up to eight of these strike teams who will come in and staff uh, wings on on nursing homes. We're going to get more clarity in the coming weeks as the actual contracts come out, and we'll need approval by the executive council about you know sort of exactly how many people will be coming right. and when. Yeah, we'll have to watch for that. I know you'll be reporting on it, Ali. We heard a story uh, earlier this hour on how long term care facilities are also struggling with this surge that that you were reporting on. Can you tell us more about the situation in nursing homes right now? Yeah. So, I mean, first off, it's definitely better than last year, and that's in large part because of vaccination efforts. I mean, 94% of residents are fully vaccinated, and so are 90% of staff at this point. And that has really helped to, you know, curb the death rate and the severity of, of these outbreaks. But, you know, that said, with cases surging to record levels across New Hampshire. Nursing homes are not islands. I mean, the virus is still absolutely getting in. So outbreaks in nursing homes are really on the rise. And we've got 19 active outbreaks in in nursing homes right now. That's up from just two um, in August. And these outbreaks can really, you know, continue to disrupt life for residents and staff on the inside. They're really stressful and difficult. And that can also sometimes mean that family members on the outside feel really distant from the conditions of their loved ones, which, you know, was the case for a few families I spoke to who had residents at a facility in Keene that experienced a really large outbreak this fall where 62 out of 75 residents caught the virus. And, and of course, I'm sure there's fears, too, for people. Are there going to be more lockdowns in the future? Could there be possibly more, you know, prolonged periods where we can't get to family members? Yeah, I think that's a concern. But um, we also have seen federal regulations really loosen around uh, nursing home visitation. So I don't know how, how likely it is for us to really see those them now walk back on, on right. that. This is Morning Edition on NHPR. We're recapping this week's news with NHPR's Ali Pham and Todd Bookman. By the way, you can let us all you can always let us know your thoughts and your questions about the state's response to this current surge by sending us an email to voices at NHPR.org. 
I want to turn our attention now to some funding on COVID. A legislative committee approved close to $90 million in federal money yesterday for the state's plan to expand capacity in hospitals and long-term care facilities. Todd, tell us more about this aspect. What, what are those funds going to be used for? Sure. So we already talked about the, the strike teams. That's $6 million of this money. Uh, there's going to be increased payments for uh, some rehab and surgical, um, ambulatory surgical centers, nursing homes, money to cover the uh, uh, stopgap Medicaid funding, sort of these technical uh, pieces of this plan to get more people moving quickly out of hospitals when they're ready to be discharged. And then there's this other big cache of money. This is $43 uh, million. This is FEMA money that the state is going to accept. And this is to do sort of more bread and butter uh, efforts to increase vaccination and booster shot efforts. Uh, we're talking about more fixed sites for both testing and administering shots, also increased uh, mobile vaccination vans. They're going to outsource the uh, call center for homebound residents who are requesting shots. So there's this another sort of big pile of money that that will likely uh, come through the door, or at least it still needs legislative uh, uh, approval by the executive council. Uh, but again, all of this is sort of geared to try to get more people vaccinated, to try to get more people out of hospitals or prevent them from going into hospitals. You know, remember we're at about 400 people hospitalized at the moment. That is the highest number of the pandemic. And um, Lori Shibinette, the commissioner of DHHS, sort of told the fiscal committee yesterday what that actually looks like in practice at these hospitals. So right now our hospitals are running at 91% capacity and 91% makes it sound like there's still 9% there, but that 9% could be in pediatrics, maternity, any of those. What we do know is our hospitals are transferring patients as far away as Connecticut and Albany, New York, um, to get the, the right level of care that they need. And we're not just talking about COVID patients. We're talking about patients with heart attacks and strokes and things like that. Okay, that's a, that's a pretty stark picture that uh, Shibnet is painting there, Todd. The, the state also approved federal funding to help with vaccination efforts and administering boosters. You know, where is all this this money going to go, Todd? Right. So as I mentioned, the mobile vaccination vans, uh, paying the private companies to run more of these fixed locations. And then uh, we've also got uh, the booster blitz coming up. That's on Saturday. Ali, I know, has been doing a, a lot of reporting on, on, on what that I'm uh, campaign is going to look like. I'm getting my booster on Saturday there, too. So. <laughs> that is next Saturday, the 11th, yeah. right? And, and already, the, this, I guess they, they've got 10,000 appointments already booked as of last night. Yeah, yeah. They, the, the demand for boosters has been really high. Um, so a lot of pharmacies are, you know, you have to book an appointment. Some of them are booking weeks out. Um, and yeah, the, the booster blitz, 10,000 shots were booked in, in, a, in about a day. And at least last night when I checked, there were only a, f a handful of sites that were, you know, still still taking appointments for well, that. Ali, you've reported that how the state's vaccination data is not accurate. Any any updates on that? Is the state working to figure out how to collect this this data more reliably? Yeah, absolutely. So two weeks ago, um, the health department finally got funding after uh, quite a, a saga to actually address some of these issues. And what we heard last week from um, Commissioner Shibinette is that... Um, and I don't want to get too weedy here, but the the main reason we're having these issues is because the state can't import pharmacy data um, because pharmacies basically haven't been giving people the opportunity to opt out of having their data collected. And Commissioner Shibinette said that she's gotten commitments from a few pharmacies to actually offer people that ability to opt out, which would basically then allow the state to 
collect that data and start to address some of those data issues. That said, our data is still really unreliable. I mean, if you go look at the data on the CDC, it just doesn't make sense. The CDC is basically mistracking uh, thousands of booster doses as first shots. So those rates are just completely skewed. Um, and it's going to take some time to also just sort through that data on on the back end. So it's not a, a quick fix, like all of a sudden data is perfect. Right. Well, what, Ali, what, what is the additional funding the state has just approved, though, mean for, for the vaccine, vaccination strategy overall? Right. So, I mean, I think Todd already, you know, did a great job touching on this, but I think they'll be, you know, continuing to do some of these these efforts that have been really core and central to their vaccination campaign. That's the mobile van. Um, that's, you know, now outsourcing some of these fixed sites to uh, a private company called Onsite Medical Services. Um, that's New Hampshire based. So I think you know, this funding allows them to kind of continue those efforts. There's definitely been concerns when the funding has been more up in the air that, you know, efforts might have to be put on hold or slowed. So keeping that money flowing is, is, yeah. Yeah. So I I want to ask you both, what's next in your reporting? Uh, What you're looking at for the next week or so, what should we be on the lookout for, not only with COVID and and that here in the Granite State, but in overall? Allie, let's start with you. I just want to say, uh, for people who have not heard Todd's story on Lady Luck, that's a great, really <laughs> yes, fun it is. piece, and I just want to give that a shout out. Part one aired yesterday afternoon, and all things considered, well, a part yeah, two later today. I mean, check it yeah. out online. It's like such mm-hmm. a nice break from all of the heavy COVID reporting that we've all been hearing. Shout out for Todd. There you go, Todd. Um, but for me, Total I Total vanity be... project. Thank you. <laughs> so fun. Um, I will be heading to a, a booster clinic at a nursing home next week. So I'm excited to see what that actually um, will look like. And I know you'll have more of that on air next week for that too. And, and Todd, what about you? What are you looking at next week? Well, two things. First, I think we should keep our eyes on hospitalization numbers and uh, get more insight from hospitals about how they're how they're managing that, whether or not they're they're deciding to, uh, you know, postpone uh, so-called um, uh, you know elective procedures. And then I also think it'll be worth keeping our eyes on the executive council vote on all this right. COVID yeah. Monday b- because. Uh, that certainly brought up issues in the past, and so we're expecting these items to be on the agenda Wednesday. And uh, and we'll be reporting worth, on it. Yeah, worth keeping your eyes on. It. All right. NHPR's Todd Bookman and Health and Equity reporter Ali Pham. Thank you both so much for joining us on the New Hampshire News Recap. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. It is Morning Edition from NHPR.